0: Hello and welcome to Tour of Truth with Krista and company. Today's company is Christine DeSibio with Women of the Word. She has a word for us on how to properly stand under the covenant relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Let's start in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So this verse tells us something that we really need to grab a hold of. It's literally impossible to please God if we don't have faith. It takes some measure of faith to believe that he exists. And that's exactly what Paul is saying, or the writer of Hebrews is saying here. You have to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the word for reward there is actually payer of wages. He's going to bless you with his kingdom currency. When you seek him in the secret place and in the quiet place, it's going to take faith to get to that place. I believe he exists, like Moses said. I don't maybe know him completely, but I believe he's real. And that is how I seek him, and that's how I please him. Now, the word faith, actually has a definition earlier on in this chapter. If you go up to Hebrews 1, right above it, it gives us the definition of faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I dug into these words a little bit, and I looked them up and tried to see what they meant. So New Testament is Greek, Old Testament is written in Hebrew, so I went to the Greek and dug up these definitions, and the word for assurance here actually means properly standing under a guaranteed agreement. That, to me, was really astounding. And then conviction, later on in the verse, it actually means proof in this context. So it's not like I have this deep conviction. It means there's proof. There's actual proof. So this context and this word is actually only used once in the New Testament. So if I take this verse and I use the words that I just translated, this is what I write. Now faith is properly standing under a guaranteed agreement, the proof of things not seen. To me, that opens it up a little bit more, right? I'm looking at this and I realize, okay, I have a guaranteed agreement with God, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What, what is this guaranteed agreement? And if I stand under it, then it gives me proof that things I don't see are real, It's actually more about me coming into alignment with his guaranteed agreement than it is about me rigorously holding on to something I think is real. We have to understand God is not about struggle. He is about freedom. And even though hard times may come or things press in, it's not to be difficult. It's to be free and at rest. Because in his presence and understanding his character equals rest. If he is... Who he says He is, then He's all sufficient for all my needs. So if I properly stand under the agreement of heaven and I don't move out of that agreement, He will give me proof in my hands of the things that I can't see. So Paul tells us in Romans 1:17: for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith now we need to take this definition of faith and plant it into this verse. our guaranteed agreement is through the blood of Jesus we are saved another word to give you on this is the Greek word most commonly used for saved in the New Testament is sozo sozo means to be made whole to be made well in body soul and spirit and another definition would be the Messiah Jesus brings deliverance and eternal life so often when we read the word saved in scripture that's actually what it means it doesn't just mean I get to live forever. I'm saved from the pit of hell. It means I'm to be made well in body, soul, and spirit. When we walk with Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in him. When we align ourselves with Jesus and are obedient to him and have faith, we take on God's character. God gives faith and we can build it up. So we're going to talk about how we build our faith afterwards. But back to that verse in Romans. Righteousness of God is revealed from properly standing under the agreement with Jesus Christ. If the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, faith, all that's included in righteousness, which makes me right with God. Righteousness means that I'm in right relationship with him. It means that everything I am is aligned with him. All of that is revealed by standing under his guaranteed covenant agreement, the messianic covenant agreement. So I'm going to show you some examples in scripture that prove this with different people that did this and stood under with God. Turn with me to Matthew 8, 5 through 13. All right. So this is the story of the centurion. The centurion is probably one of my favorite ones. When we had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am too a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant. Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus marveled at at his faith. We know that. He said, man, this faith is so great. But what we just learned about faith is that faith actually means standing under a guaranteed agreement. So what we have to see about the centurion is that he was not a Hebrew, one. Two, he saw that even though Jesus had not died yet, he was the Messiah and therefore he could be grafted in and granted access to the kingdom of heaven. He also understood governmental authority, which is huge. The kingdom of heaven is a government. There is different levels of authority. God is saying that we have authority to affect the earth always. With the kingdom of heaven, it's very parallel to our government system on earth. And the Roman soldier is saying, I understand this because I'm in authority and I have people in authority over me and I have people underneath me. If I say something, they do it. So he's saying, if I am obedient to the law above me and I stand in my agreement, the ones beneath me will be obedient as well. He understands what many of us today don't understand that if we come into alignment with Jesus Christ, if we obey the word of God and we listen to his voice and do as he tells us and we take scripture as our life source and our roadmap, everything we tell people underneath us that's in accordance with his word, every demon of hell, every single thing has to be obedient to what we say. Plus, we receive everything from heaven directly as he wants to give it. But it's all about my alignment. And so I want to propose the idea that sometimes it's not that we don't have enough faith, it's that we can't get in line in that area. So the question really comes, what's the problem that I'm having, and why am I not in line with the Word of God in that area? Sometimes it's as simple as, he says, saved, means healing in my body, my soul, and my spirit. So if I'm fully healed in eternity, if I come into complete alignment with Jesus Christ, I am healed on this earth. It's all about getting ourselves to this place where we are in complete surrender to the spirit of God, where we are in complete surrender to this Bible, this living word. So Jesus says, surely I have not seen such faith. And then what he goes into here, he's saying the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom here means domain and reign, okay? So the word, kingdom means it's my dominion and my reign, the kingdom of heaven, and that men from the east and the west will come into this covenant. But people who were originally in the covenant will not sit at the table in the kingdom of heaven. So he's telling us that even people who were born into this line, this lineage, who were born from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who had a guaranteed agreement with God, will choose not to come under my guaranteed agreement, but a Gentile, somebody from the east or the west, will choose to come under. Jesus is always about will. This to me brings up a topic about free will. Even though I was born into a covenant that guarantees me eternal life, salvation, healing, everything that the word means, I still have to choose to be part of it. That means if I'm a Jewish person, that means if I'm a Christian and I have a grandmother and a mother who were Christians, it's still about my choice. And I get to choose as I go along if I'm going to continue to stand under agreement with him. And I choose sometimes to not in certain areas and sometimes too. But what Jesus is telling us is that you have the choice. He's saying to the many Jewish people who are around him, you have a choice like this man. All of these things of the kingdom will be revealed to you. You just have to say you want it. You have to say, I am the Messiah and follow after me here. He's drawing lines in the sand. So many times when Jesus is talking to people in the parables, he's actually confronting them. He's confronting them in a very nice way, it seems to us, because we don't understand their culture and we don't understand their words. But he's confronting their sin and their issue. He's saying, you guys are not in line with my covenant. But this man is in line with my covenant. He's going to eat at the kingdom of heaven. He's going to recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are forefathers, but guess what? You're not coming if you don't pay attention and if you don't get in line with my word. He marveled at him because these things were revealed to him out of his submission to understanding that there was an eternal supreme being already. This centurion did tons of things. He built temples for them. He was prone to the Lord. He was soft in heart, and he decided and made a decision a long time before he met Jesus to turn his head towards the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's pretty amazing, I think. This story, for me, is the biggest one because of that governmental authority. Because it draws the line and says, this man who had an understanding of government could easily understand the government of heaven. When you find the place that God has called you to, when you find what it is to stand in alignment with him, there is so much freedom in that. in being exactly who it is that he's made you and called you to be. And a lot of times, we're just walking around trying to find our spot. But in coming to him and emptying ourselves, asking him to tell us where our spot is, finding out who we really, really are, it creates freedom in our lives. It's not about struggle and strife. My salvation is not difficult. It comes from the very core of my being. And if he says something, it has to be true because he's either a liar or a truth teller. So the next story is blind Bartimaeus. It's in Mark chapter 10, 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called called. called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want from me? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. He has faith. He says he's asking him to heal his eyes means he already has faith here. But there's even some more word pictures in here that I like. Bartimaeus knows who Jesus is. By saying the son of David, he is stating that Jesus is the Messiah. Now he's coming under a with our covenant agreement. Culturally, there's also a key here in this context, in this, what they were doing culturally. The license to beg was actually their cloak. So the way that they knew it was okay for them to be sitting there and begging, they weren't like just pretending they had an illness, was that they wore a specific cloak. He's sitting on the ground wearing this cloak so people know that they can give him money. He actually is an invalid. He can't see. And Bartimaeus gets up right as Jesus calls him. He realizes he's no longer a beggar. He throws the cloak to the ground before Jesus even heals him. And so many times we're like, okay, you're Messiah. But I'm going to stay in my place until you come and fix it. And then I'll throw off my baggage. And Bartimaeus is saying, he's telling us what we hear later, faith without works is dead. Faith without action that says, I'm coming under the agreement with the word of God. Now I am free from my bondage. How do I shed this stuff? How do I get rid of it? Bartimaeus knows it before it even happened. Before it even happens, he's shedding his beggar's clothes. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to Jesus too, because he hears him calling his name. He's like, Hey, that guy knows I'm the Messiah. Let me turn around. He's calling me son of David. That means I'm the Messiah. David was a long time before this. I mean, he's in David's line, but there's a large history in between this. Him saying, I'm the son of David, is him saying, You are the Messiah. That's what he's saying. And Jesus is like, Oh, he knows. Call him over here. And then he says, Your faith, because you came into alignment with my agreement, because you knew it was me, and because you shed your beggar's clothes already, you're all set, Bartimaeus. You received your healing. And he commends him for it. So the next one is the woman with the issue of blood in Matthew 9 20 and behold a woman who had suffered from discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment she said to herself if only touch his garment I will be made well Jesus turned and seeing her he said take heart daughter your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well Jesus doesn't comment on people's faith making them well all that often there's like four or five times so now he comments on her faith the hem that she's reaching to touch here would be his talit. so it's his prayer garment is actually what it is. And what we know about culture with this prayer garment that Jesus would have worn, it's his outer garment, is that when praying, they would put it over their heads like this, and they would be said to be dwelling in the shadow of the Most High. So like Psalm 91. They would put it over their heads, and they would be praying, and they would be dwelling in the secret place, even if people were around him. In Psalm 91, He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. His faithfulness covers me and protects me, and under his wings, now I'm hiding in the secret place, under his wings, this Talit. Now this woman is a Hebrew woman. She would have been raised with Scripture, and she would have been taught, she would have been in synagogues and she would have been listening and she would have been taught by her family the Messianic prophecies. So there's a Messianic prophecy in Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. In that prophecy, it says the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. This Hebrew word for wings actually translates in the Greek to hem. So this woman could identify the fact that he was the Messiah and that if she got to touch the hem of his talit, his secret place, his hiding under the wings, she would be healed because under under those wings and Malachi tells us when the son of righteousness arises there is healing in his wing so again she recognizes she was taught something and she recognizes who he is and what his character is she comes into alignment with his agreement that she has read about throughout all messianic prophecies she knows full well what this agreement is and she identifies the fact you are Messiah and you have healing nobody else can fix me I'm a mess I'm unclean nobody will come near me the doctors don't know what to do with me, but Messiah, 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 the risen King, Jesus Christ, before he even rose from the dead, Messiah, the perfect one, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, Messiah can heal me. It's amazing faith. It's amazing alignment with his word. She doesn't have the New Testament. She has no proof that he's healed something. She may have heard some stories, but she recognizes he is the Messiah. And only by touching his garment, because it's under his wings, Malachi wrote that just for her. God made a provision for her from before she was even thought of in her mother's mind for her healing. You understand that? That in eternity's sake, God who stands outside of time the provision for everything you need has already been made. He left that secret there just for this woman. He's so personal. The Bible tells us that his word does not return to him void. What that means is that his word has the ability to complete everything it says. When he speaks a word, it contains the manufacturing function to fix and do what needs to be done. Our faith is not small, it's not aligned. And it takes all the work and the struggle out of it if I say, this is what your covenant agreement is, this is what I'm coming into alignment with, therefore it is mine. Now, God's time, I will tell you, is not our time. He lives outside of time. He does not have a time clock running on his mind. He doesn't. He starts doing things in your life in just enough time to give you the miracle that you need when you need it. He is very, very good good at laying things out to be in the right order. And he's very, very good at helping you stay calm in the midst of waiting for those orders. But he will speak to you about what needs to come into alignment in your life if you ask him. And you ask him in a tone that says, I really want to know, even if it hurts, even if I have to give up something. How many know there's a cost to discipleship? And it's very real cost. Jesus himself even says that many will follow him, but not all will choose to be disciples. Not all will come into alignment with his word. That's my goal, is to be in a place where I'm so aligned with his agreement, I don't waver out of it. Now, I know I'm a human, so we're just going to take little steps. But my goal is, as I grow spiritually, I'm doing things to grow spiritually, that I can stand in alignment with his agreement, with his covenant, with his word, that I receive everything because I am the righteousness of God in Christ, because I am his daughter, fully loved by him, and therefore grafted into the kingdom of heaven, given an inheritance, able to have authority, and walk in all the plans and purposes that he has. Has for me and the rest of the world, whether it's shaking or not shaking, doesn't affect my security with my Savior, it doesn't affect what I receive from Him, it doesn't reflect how I walk with Him, it doesn't affect what I say about Him. So many times we wonder what his character is, if he's really good, because we don't stand in agreement. Things happen, but they are not from him. He is really good. He is really good. And only standing under that agreement will we really see that, that he's really good. Will we actually see that fruit inside of our lives? So this woman had this prophecy from the Lord, and she used it for herself. We need to get prophetic words for ourselves, and we need to keep them, and we need to hold them. You can get them from scripture. You can ask God, what are you saying about my life and read until your spirit confirms, until he says something. You can ask him to speak to you. He will speak to you. My sheep hear my voice. They do. And oftentimes it's not a booming voice out here. As a matter of fact, I've never heard an outside. It's always here. It's always here. Sometimes it's clearer than others. Sometimes I can listen for longer. Sometimes I can't. It takes practice to learn how to sit there and listen to him tell you something and build precept upon precept, line upon line. He will do that for you, but it takes practice to stay there while he does it. Like this message about faith when I read that about assurance, I was like, what? And I got so excited about it that I ran around. I sat down on my couch. My boys were near me. And then all of a sudden he starts talking to me about the centurion. I realized he wasn't done yet. I sat right up and I'm like, hey, the centurion. That's why he understood it. Because it's government. He had government. That's why God's government, kingdom government. So that's what I'm saying. We have to practice hearing him. And he'll give you a prophetic word for your life. He'll lead you into your identity. He'll bring you through all of those things. It's a lot of It's just me coming into a line with him and allowing him to do what he's going to do and not striving and struggling to do something that I think needs to be done because he has different plans often. All right, so now we can talk about how do we build our faith? How do we increase our ability to stand under his alignment? So Romans 12 verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to you. God has granted you, he has given you a measure of faith. He's given you the ability to stand under his agreement. He has actually granted it to you and said, I gave this to you, just like that woman, the Hebrew woman, she had it and she also had her prophecy. He said, Listen, I gave you the ability to see me, to know me, and to stand under agreement with me. This is not something we have to strive for. It's more something we have to tap into. So, one of the best stories that I like about someone who built faith, right now we celebrate Smith Wigglesworth, but I want you to know that people didn't like him back then. He was very gruff. He had known to say things very very off the cuff to people. He was around with a lot of the revivalists and they all tolerated him, but nobody really adored Smith Wigglesworth, okay? He had a hard life, Smith Wigglesworth. He prayed for a lot of people before anybody ever got healed. I mean, this man worked at coming into alignment with God's word. Everything he could do to build his faith, and this is what he did. Every hour, he would stop and take a New Testament out of his pocket and read it. He was sitting at a dinner table. He would stop everybody from talking and read a few scripture verses. Every 20 minutes, the man read scripture because he had to stay in alignment with what God wanted to do. There were so many miracles with him, so so many astounding revelations with him. But he kept his nose in the Bible. The way he was able to keep himself in alignment was by keeping his face in the word of God. And that's what we have to do. Our faces have to be in the word of God and we have to allow it to penetrate our reality because our reality does not match up. I'm telling you it doesn't. The natural environment around us does not match up. So At a dinner party with 50 people, he would make shh every 20 minutes very focused. Now, I want you to hear that. I don't believe this was a struggle for Smith. I don't believe this was hard for Smith. I don't believe this was something that Smith worked at, like, by what we think of, like, I gotta read scripture every 20 minutes. Like, I think it was, I have to read scripture every 20 minutes. That's right. I know it's true. Put it back in my pocket. 20 minutes again. You have to find how he talks to you. He's funny to you. He's kind to you. He's light. He's nice. Even when he's pruning and he's saying something, he's the softest corrector. He leads out of gentleness. Always. Always. I think if he's yelling, at you then it's probably a different voice in all honesty he honors choices so if we don't listen to him he'll stop telling us that's very scary he talks about that in the scripture he talks about what happens when we make other choices I'm not saying he only says it once in a whisper okay he'll arrange circumstances he'll do things and if you can learn to hear that and lead and feel these I often feel these like stop yeah we're not gonna do that like I just know we stopped okay where'd I lose you how do I come back that kind of thing if we can learn to follow these gentle leadings of him we're coming into agreement and into alignment. We're walking in faith and purpose for our lives. His voice is extremely important. It never, ever, ever contradicts scripture. Ever, okay? That's worth saying. He may say something that you need revelation of, but it's never going to be opposite of what scripture says. So another way we can build faith is in Jude chapter 1. It is only one chapter, verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. You can build up your faith by praying in tongues. Paul says to pray, continue Continually, all the time without ceasing pray with your mind pray with your mouth pray in tongues pray so you know what you're praying pray both ways The holy spirit intercedes for us. He makes intercession for us on our behalf The holy spirit prays deep things that we sometimes don't know He prays and intercedes for other people about what we don't understand What will happen to me sometimes is I get a picture of somebody I'm praying for them in tongues And I pray and pray and pray until I feel peace I have no clue why i'm praying for that person except that god wanted me to pray for them right now and that builds my faith because I know the Holy Spirit is leading me and helping my brother or sister, which is amazing because if he's helping my brother and sister, that means he's helping me with somebody else. That's how personal he is. That gives me faith. That gives me proof. That gives me proof that what he says is true, that he's watching out for me, that he's going to protect me, that he's keeping my way, that he's leading me along peaceful paths. And praying in tongues gives me proof that I am doing something that's not in my understanding, that I can control, yes, but I'm not trying to bring about. Granted, there's times when we're birthing something or we're a deep intercession where you feel like in your belly, where it's just a deep thing that you're praying through. But I never put that yearning. He's bringing that in there. He's showing me how to get through something. He's bringing me into understanding. He's bringing me into freedom. He's bringing me into healing. So praying in tongues, when you're getting in your car, praying in tongues, when you're getting out of your car, when you're walking into a building, when you're doing anything, you can pray quietly, but that will build your faith just as much as reading scripture. The more you read Scripture, the more you pray, the more you pray in tongues, the more your faith, the more your agreement with what he's saying, the more you have proof of what he's doing. It's supernatural proof. That's the first proof they got at Pentecost. Before people started getting healed, before they went out into the roads, it was praying in other tongues. It's supernatural evidence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's proof of our agreement with him. So, Romans 10 8, this kind of tells us what Smith Wigglesworth did. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim claim because if we confess it with our mouth that Jesus is lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved so the word here is sozo again saved so it's mind body soul it's fullness saved in fullness it's the messiah is the deliverer and the salvation that's what that word is so if we confess with our mouth the word of God I believe it's a multifaceted if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead therefore I am sozo I can be made fully well that's our covenant agreement with him now I have to stand into alignment with this now if If I take the word of God, like in verse 8, and I confess that with my mouth over my life. That gives me proof and builds my faith, helps me stand into agreement. We are confessing what's in scripture over our own lives, helping us get into alignment with his word. So that continues to build our faith. All of this has to do with really understanding who he is, like I talked about with Moses. Moses saw all these great things. He believed that he was real, but he decided to step into a place where he said, I need to know who you are so I can come into alignment with your character. I want to come into alignment with your word. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 when he's giving instructions to the Israelites, he's telling them, you have to come into alignment with this covenant, with this law. You have to keep these laws. You have to stand under alignment so God can do everything he wants to do with you so that you will not lose it, right? The problem with the Israelites when they didn't take the land was that they didn't believe God and they didn't understand his character. Even though they saw signs wonders and miracles. When they first originally went to the land with Caleb and they came back and said, no, 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 no. no, We can't do that. There's giants there. They didn't understand who he was. We have to allow in this new era his reality to bring us into alignment with his covenant. We can't let things that are in scripture continue to just be there and not take them as reality and as truth. He is revealing himself. If we seek him while he's revealing himself, he will be found and he will reward you. So I'm just going to pray for you now. Father, I just thank you so much for this word, Lord God. I thank you that faith is coming into full alignment with what you say, Father. I thank you for that deep revelation, Lord God. I thank you that that sinks into all of us and helps us, Lord, that it brings revelation to our hearts and our minds. Father, I just ask that you would help us to really understand the reality of who you are and your character. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done in every person's life. Pray that not one of the seeds would be stolen, Lord. Lord, and I just ask by the power of your spirit that you would continue on the good work that you started in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this podcast again or if you'd like to hear another one, you can find us at touroftruth.com.